Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazarin Moali. Before we start our conversation today, I wanted to take a moment and say thank you to those of you who wrote a review for this show on iTunes. Your subscriptions, ratings, and reviews are extremely important for growth of this show. It will help us to reach more listeners, but also it will support us to continue to attract awesome guests for our future episodes. Again, thank you so much for your support, and I'm looking forward to read your feedback. Today, we're going to talk about erotic recovery after infidelity. Unfortunately, infidelity is a very common experience these days. Most of you probably has been affected by it. Many of the couples who are coming to my practice, they would like to focus on restoring the sense of trust and connections, because as we know, infidelity can impair the trust connection and kind of foster a sense of betrayals within couples. Something else that's very important to keep in mind is that an affair is an erotic injury. And oftentimes, it impacts the partner's sexual self-esteem. That's why we decided to focus on talking about the erotic injury that often partner experience as the result of the infidelity. My guest today is Heather Sigwin. Heather is a licensed marriage and family therapist based on Rancho Cocomanga in California. She's passionate about helping people gain clarity about their lives and make decisions that reflect their deepest value. Here is my conversation with Heather Sigwin. Today we're talking about erotic recovery after infidelity. The experience of infidelity is one of the most devastating things that a person can face. For many people, a hallmark of a committed relationship is sexual exclusivity. And when there is an infidelity going on and they learn about it, the partner might feel that they give, they given themselves to their partners exclusively and they were available to them. And then the partner went outside the relationship for sex and they might feel this very intense rejection, sadness, and many other emotions. Unfortunately, studies shows that infidelity rates are around 21% for men and 12% for women. The majority, 56% of couple that experience infidelity usually stay married. So I think it's very important for us to talk about how we can navigate our way through this path if we decide to stay in the relationship. Our guest today is Heather Seguin. Heather is a licensed marriage and family therapist based in Rancho Cocomanga in California. We invited Heather to share with us her experience of helping couples navigate 
through this difficult path. Heather, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. Uh, so let's start with talking about, do you usually see a pattern in the way that affairs start? Well, I think, you know, <laughs> wouldn't it be great to have one clear <laughs> way that affairs begin, you know, one clear, you know, red flag that would tell you that there's something going on. First, I would want to say that affairs are different from sex addiction. And I think that that's really important for the person who has been cheated on to know, because sometimes there's that, that panic that, you know, I found out that my spouse or my partner is having an affair. And what if there are, you know, others, or what if my partner is a sex addict? And I want to clarify that they're very different things. Um, you know, someone can have one affair or even two affairs or three, and that does not make them a sex addict. Um, and someone can be a sex addict and not be having an affair. Um, Absolutely. You know, they're, they're very different things. So, but to answer your question, I think the, the primary thing that we see with affairs is some form of emotional disconnect, you know, where the partner, where one partner is just not feeling close to their spouse or partner. And, you know, something outside of that relationship begins to meet a need that was going unmet in the relationship. And then things kind of snowball from, from that point. Absolutely, Heather, you pointed out the very important thing, because sometimes I hear from patients that they say, we're coming in because my husband struggles or my wife struggles with sexual addiction. And when they come in, we see that they just recently discovered infidelity or couple of like uh, extramarital relationships. And they automatically assume that the partner struggles with sexual compulsivity. How do you, uh, how do you differentiate sexual compulsivity from someone who had a, uh, extra really like extramarital or, uh, inf- struggling with infidelity in their relationship? That's a wonderful question. What we're going to see with sex addiction is basically very similar behaviors to what we would see with a substance addiction or something like gambling addiction. You know, the person is going to be preoccupied with their sexual behaviors, with either doing their sexual behaviors or thinking about it, you know, planning planning for them. They're going to feel shame about their sexual behaviors and therefore they tend to hide them from both their spouse, you know, and or not necessarily spouse, but partner. And other people in their lives. There's a lot of shame around that. You're going to see um, that their behavior is obviously going to be hurtful for others um, and that there's really a, not really an acknowledgement of how destructive their behavior is. They're going to feel out of control about their behavior. Oftentimes, you know, similar to, you know, asking when we ask someone who struggles with alcohol, you know, have you tried to stop and you've been un- unsuccessful? Someone who struggles with sex addiction has done the same thing. You know, they say, you know, this is my last time at the massage parlor, or this is my last time looking at pornography, or my last time, you know, doing A, B, or C. And then, you know, before they know it, they're back there again. And then again, there's a lot of shame about within themselves about having gone back to the thing they said they wouldn't go back to. So then it leaves people with a sense of despair and sadness, because they can't get a handle on this behavior that they really wish that they could. So that's, what someone with sex addiction is going to be going through. Someone who's having an affair, it's, it doesn't have that compulsiveness to it. 
you know, as we're well aware in these, this day and age, an affair can be both emotional and, and or sexual, you know, not all affairs are sexual affairs. So there's oftentimes more of an emotional aspect at play rather than just the sex, you know, very, very seldom is an affair just about a sexual experience. There's usually some type of connection there, uh, but not always. And it's not always love. (laughs) You know, there's so many different dynamics that come, you know, when we're talking about both affairs and sexual addiction, it's different from substances because there is some kind of emotional connection with the behavior happening. Whereas, you know, with substances, it's not obvious that there's something emotional happening, even though there is across the board. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, as you were talking about either if someone that's Uh, they're struggling with sexual addiction. When a partner discovers it, unfortunately, they might discover numbers of uh, relationships or one night stands or cyber sex. And even also when someone who, uh, whose partner were struggling with infidelity, they might also discover things sexual, as we talked about, not, not necessarily shows that their uh, partner struggling with sexual compulsivity, but the relationship, if there was a sexual uh, relationship was going on, there might be like text messages, images, can be very uh, painful for the partner. So how do you uh, help and work with your clients, helping them to cope with the trauma of discovery? First of all, I love that you use the word trauma because that's completely accurate. Um, Thank you. It is, you know, we call it a betrayal trauma where, you know, this is the person that you have entrusted, you know, your heart and soul to that you've built a life with and you have this understanding of what your relationship and your life is. And then all of a sudden that's shattered in a moment. And, you know, fundamentally what's been broken is trust. You know, yes, there, there's been some sexual betrayal, but on a deeper level, there's this betrayal of the relationship I thought we had. And so, you know, here I am going through life thinking that we're one way. And then all of a sudden I find out that there's this whole secret life that you had. And now I don't know if I even know you anymore. And so it's a very confusing and scary time for, some, for someone who's the partner of a sex addict it really is so destabilizing. And so when I have someone who's coming in with, you know, just freshly experiencing this, this discovery of sexual addiction, my main goal is to rebuild some sense of stability, to help someone to find that ground level again, so that they can just kind of cope with daily life sometimes at the beginning. So we'll do things like, you know, grounding exercises, we'll do some deep breathing work, you know, a little bit of mindfulness type stuff, um, just to kind of learn to regulate those emotions back down. But we also work on um, setting some boundaries for yourself if you're the partner who's just discovered these behaviors. Because oftentimes, you know, things feel so chaotic and are swirling around and you're oftentimes flooded with thoughts. Sometimes you're flooded with images. You're definitely flooded with emotions. And so, you know, you're kind of steeped in this chaos. And so setting some boundaries is basically a way of, you know, putting things in their place. And again, bringing some sense of calm to both the person and the relationship. Um, And that takes different forms depending on the person. Um, You know, some partners, what they need is, you know, a, a short, you know, therapeutic separation 
where, you know, they need the cheating or addicted partner to leave the house for a period of time. For, for other partners, that would be even more terrifying. <laughs> so they want them to stay nearby. You know, things like having access to their phone or, you know, possibly even going from a smartphone to a dumb phone, <laughs> if you right. will. You know, things that will start to bring a sense of safety back to the relationship. No, I think that those are wonderful tips and they're so important. And you mentioned about setting boundaries. And it uh, when you were talking about this, I was thinking about the question that I often get from the partners that just discovered infidelity is they want to know everything and everything about the sexual relationship that the partner had with the third party. They keep going, digging deeper and deeper. And what's your thoughts about that? Do you think, is it helpful? How do you navigate that with your clients? First of all, I would say that's completely common. That's oftentimes the first response is, you know, I have to know every detail of what happened because again, my whole world has been shattered and now I need to understand what, what's been going on this whole time. And so there is often almost this kind of panicked or frantic effort to, to learn what's been happening. It's understandable for sure. I would also caution against it. And the reason is that you can't unlearn things and you can't unsee things. And once you get, even if it's just a mental picture in your head, that's possibly going to torment you for far longer than you would want it to. And so one of my first steps with partners is really helping them to really slow down and slowly think through what do they need to know? What do they really need to know? Not just want to know, but need to know. You know, if they want to rebuild the relationship, what do they need to know in order to feel safe with their partner again? Because our needs and our wants are different. You know, um, I might need to know you know, did you have a relationship with anyone that I know personally? You know, am I going to bump into someone that you had an affair with? Or, um, you know, what areas of town did you sexually act out in? You know, how much money was spent? I need to know those things because, you know, they're going to impact our future together. Um, you know, things like what color hair did she have? Or where did you meet him for dinner? And, you know, did you buy this person you know, meaningful gifts or I mean, all, those kinds of things are, are very, very detailed. And you may or may not need to know that it depends on the person. But when I work with partners, I want to help them really know why that information is going to be helpful for them. You know, why would it matter if your partner was meeting with someone who had brown hair or blonde hair? What impact would that have on you? And that might have no impact, or it could, you know, lead to a deeper trauma for you. You know, maybe you've always had a partner who cheated on you with blondes. And so then, you know, we would want to process the fact that this recent trauma triggered something old for you. So we want to acknowledge both. But I think it's important to really understand why those questions matter to you. And is it really going to help you to trust this person again? You know, that's ultimately our goal. If you choose to stay in the relationship, the goal would be how do we rebuild trust? And, you know, knowing some of those small details probably isn't going to help you rebuild trust, but it is going to burn in your memory for the rest of your life. And so, you know, because at the beginning, there's such a, an urgency to get that information. What I try to do is to really slow that down and help a partner think through, you know, how that really is going to make a difference for them. And oftentimes partners realize, you know what, it's really not. 
You know, I don't really need to know all of those details. Some partners do. And ultimately, if a partner decides that, you know, he or she needs to know this, even if I think that it's not necessary, I'm going to help them to ask their partner those questions because they are, they will not feel safe until those questions are answered. So even if I don't think it's the best idea, I'm still going to support my client to, to rebuild what's important for them. I agree. And you are definitely right when you're talking about examining your intention from wanting to know, because sometimes it turns to obsession, which is understandable. As you were talking earlier, some people experience loss of stability and they think with knowing as many details, as much detail as possible, they're able to kind of understand the situation. But as you were talking about it, uh, sometimes it caused deeper trauma. Like when I have clients that they try to get more connected and they get intimate and the partner sometimes experiences kind of flashbacks and like, which gets, she gets very overwhelmed because she thinks about the detail because she knows the detail, how things went with her uh, husband and the third party. And just that can, that was more, cause more like scars than helping her to understand the situation. So as you were talking about, it's very important to kind of examine I mean, why you want to know and how would it be helpful uh, for you to have that information? Exactly, exactly. Right. And one thing that I often notice that knowing that your partner went outside the relationship, sometimes it impacts a person's sexual confidence. And uh, how can you, uh, how can partners reclaim their sexual life with or without their partners? Because sometimes people think, oh, I'll end this relationship and everything's going to be great. But oftentimes, the aftershock, aftermath of the what they experience impact their sexual behaviors in future. What is your recommendation around that? Gosh, there's so much to address with that, isn't there? I think, first of all, it's completely understandable that Uh, like you said, that someone's confidence would be shaken. And I think the first thing with that is to understand that when your partner is struggling with a sex addiction, it has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that because it feels and is so personal for the, for the partner. And yet for the person struggling with addiction, it would be the same as if your partner was drinking without your knowledge you know, or, you know, going out and getting high without your knowledge. It's about their issue with managing their own emotions, anxiety, you know, whatever it is that's going on for them. The sexual behaviors are a way to manage that. And that's an important thing to know about sex addiction in general is that, you know, sex addiction is not, you know, these is not, you know, I think that sex should look like this and your behaviors are outside of that. Therefore, you're a sex addict. You know, sex addiction is about that person not being able to manage their own emotional reality and sex has become the way to regulate that. And so for a partner, it's so important for him or her to know that it's not personal. It's not about your attractiveness or your weight or, you know, your looks in any way, shape or form. It's about, you know, it's it's very much within the person who is acting out. So starting there with, you know, it's really not about you. You know, you can be the most beautiful person in the world. In fact, there are many celebrities who have gorgeous, who have or had gorgeous spouses or partners that were still sex addicts because they're very 
separate issues. Um, so all of that being said, when a partner wants to reconnect with their own sexuality, I think one of the best things to do, you know, there's, there's some bibliotherapy, you know, some books that are helpful, you know, for example, you know, this is probably a little bit more for the sex addict, but it's also helpful in partnerships. Uh, Alex Kadahakis wrote a book called Erotic Intelligence. I love that. It's a great book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's all about, you know, basically the, er, like you were, the title of this podcast, Erotic Recovery After Sex Addiction. You know, how do we reintegrate a healthy sex life into our relationship? But before you get to that point in a relationship, you know, for um, a partner, her sex, his or her sexuality doesn't stop just because they found out about their partner's addiction. I think it's really helpful for a partner to, you know, reflect on that and explore for him or herself what their sexuality is, what their relationship to their body is. And, you know, this is slightly outside of my area of expertise because I work with addiction. You know, I would often recommend that, you know, both the partner and potentially even the addict at some point go see a sex therapist, you know, work with someone who has experience and education in sex therapy um, and how to navigate through both your own personal sexuality as well as your relationship with your partner. A sex therapist can really help uh, both an individual to work through their sexual concerns, but also a couple to reconnect after there's been that betrayal. Absolutely. And one thing you were talking about, which was very important that, you know, it's, it is a process. Sometimes people think about, okay, we talked about it and that's done and over. But as you said, you know, it's, it's going to be a process. Some people need to do even deeper work and learn more about their sexuality and how they can reconnect with their partners. I know it's a very challenging uh, path for many people, but based on my experience, I see that sometimes when people do the work, actually their relationship and their sexuality and how the way they connect with their partner improve significantly. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the, you know, kind of the blessings of recovery is that, you know, people who, like you said, go through that process, when they come out of it on the other side, often they have a deeper relationship, a deeper love, and a more connected sexual relationship, because they've asked those scary questions. You know, so often in life, we, we avoid pain, we avoid discomfort. And then when pain comes to your door, and kind of slaps you in the face a bit, and you have to confront it, you come out the other side with so much more strength, wisdom, hopefully confidence and courage, where you can really engage with your partner and yourself, you know, truly being naked together, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And of course, your connection is going to be stronger when you're really, you know, that is true intimacy. And so your sex life is really just a reflection of that deeper emotional intimacy that you've cultivated by going through that painful process. Absolutely. I've noticed that we time fly by and we're to the <laughs> end of our uh, time together. And you, it seems like you have wonderful, like great information and resources related to this work. So Heather, if our listeners want to uh, talk to you and contact you, what would be the best way of uh, reaching out? Sure. The best way would probably be through my website. It's a good routing source. So they can find me at clearchoicecounseling.com. And um, I have, you know, a few different resources on my website. But then, of course, they can email me through my website as well. And I'm happy to provide 
you know, further resources and information for people that way. Wonderful. I'm sure our listeners are going to really appreciate that. Heather, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As you probably gathered, that discovering that your partner has been unfaithful can be very traumatic. I encourage you to give yourself reasonable time to communicate and process your feeling of hurt, anger, insecurity, and distrust. Oftentimes, what I see in my patient that they are progressing well, and all of the sudden, they lapse back to their earlier pattern of anger, attacking, and shame. I encourage you to be mindful of your emotion and give yourself time to work through these difficult feelings. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.